Ever feel like you're doing this teaching thing alone? You don't have to be. Share Teaching is all about sharing the workload through the power of collaboration and teamwork. Together, we'll walk through all the difficult parts of teaching and learn how to streamline our processes, fine-tune our time management, and develop a more manageable workload. If that sounds like a dream come true to you, then welcome to the Shared Teaching Podcast. Let's share in the teaching to make those dreams a reality. Now here's today's Shared Teaching. Welcome back to the Shared Teaching Podcast. This is your host, Susan, founder and creator behind Shared Teaching. And today we are talking about episode number 15, teaching a hybrid class without pulling your hair out. Not sure it's entirely possible, but I'm hoping to give you some tips that you can use in your own classroom today. So if you've been following my podcast episodes, you know that I am a second grade teacher currently. I've taught first grade, kindergarten, second, fourth, and a gifted fourth, fifth combo. So I kind of have a good span of all those elementary ages for teaching. But right now I'm teaching second grade and it's only been a few weeks. I think this is my fourth and final week of teaching a hybrid class. Good or bad, I'm not sure. I am going to be the designated distance teacher for our grade level. I wanted to kind of share what has worked for me and maybe a little bit about what hasn't worked for me so that you can take my trials and errors and successes and put them in your own classroom. So the first thing I wanted to talk about was schedules. So I know not all of us have the flexibility of creating our own schedule. I certainly have not been able to do that. It is told to us how many minutes and which order the things we are teaching should go and whether it's live lessons or asynchronous time. So my hands are pretty tied, but I'm finding that it's working enough. So for the kids that are showing up and participating, it seems like this kind of schedule is working for them for now with the hybrid. Not so much for the students that cannot hold themselves accountable without somebody else in their house helping them. My schedule is live lessons first thing in the morning. So it's 30 minutes each of three live lessons. So math, reading, and then writing. And then after the live lessons, I actually have my students stay on as an option. If they're home, I call my home students and my in-class students. (laughs) So I have my home students stay on if they want, and I go right into the practice asynchronous assigned work with my in-classroom students once the live lessons are done. So for example, we teach a math live lesson, then we do the reading and then the writing. So as soon as the writing's over, I say, hey, hang out with me if you want to. We're here until lunchtime, and we're going to start the workbook time, I guess you could say. So we're using the ready program, the iReady and the ready So we have the ready workbooks. So during the live lesson, I've taught from the workbook, and then there's a practice workbook. So I ask the students at that time 
when the live lessons are over, I share my screen and I am sharing with them my workbook page and we go through the problems. So whether you're home or you're in the classroom, you're working through that with me. So, you know, guided practice. So I'm asking them, okay, so how do you think they're getting this answer? Or what is the answer for number one? And then I have them share and then we kind of discuss, well, who do you think is right? Um, So-and-so at home, so-and-so here, and we work through the problems. And then we move into the next one. So I just keep it in the same order as my live lessons. We do math, reading, and writing practice after we finish the math, reading, and writing live lessons. That works to an extent. And then after lunch, I come back into the classroom and it's just myself and the in-person students. And at this time, they're completing the rest of their asynchronous work. So that still leaves us with grammar, phonics, social studies, or health. I kind of alternate social studies and health weeks. And I'm helping them with those assignments as they need. And then because we have iReady, this is the time that they work towards their iReady minutes. And I've made them very manageable minutes. So I only give them 20 minutes for math plus an additional 10 minutes of math fact practice. So that's 30 minutes for the week in math during during the iReady minutes. And then there's 30 minutes for the reading iReady minutes. So I try to make it very, very manageable for students to all succeed and get at least those minutes. Some students go way above and beyond, which I tell them is perfectly fine, but I'm only requiring the 30 minutes. And some students, of course, do zero, which is just an ongoing issue this year. Now, my friend does a little bit differently. So her school, which literally is across the street, there's just a row that separates the two of us and our schools are side by side. And she teaches third grade. And at her school, they are doing what we used to do at the beginning of the year. So we used to be strictly all online, but we would do a live lesson. And then the kids would do their asynchronous work. And then they would do another live lesson and then the asynchronous work. So that, I think, works really well in terms of holding the students accountable for their work. But you are keeping them in the live meet the entire day long. So there's pros and cons to that. My friend next door has actually found that she has really high participation rates because she's right there watching their screens, grading things as they turn them in. She's able to offer feedback right then and there versus myself because half the time the kids have disappeared after the live lessons. I don't see them again. They're not turning in the work. I'm messaging parents. Nobody's responding to me. So that has posed a huge issue, but it's an issue that I can't seem to get around because it's just the nature of the beast, let's say. You know, I don't want to throw a lot of people under the bus, but the district has set up and told the parents, and the principal has also reiterated this to the parents that online learning attendance counts for any of the three following. If the student shows up on a live meet, if the student participates or turns in any work, or if you have a discussion with the student about his grade or his progress towards his grade. So any of those three things counts as an attendance. So what's happening is kids will blip up on your screen 
Hey, I've attended the live meet. I had one girl that attended for 26 seconds today. According to the rules, she is in attendance because she showed up for a live meet. It doesn't specify how long they have to stay. It doesn't specify that they actually have to participate in the live meet. They just have to show up, right? So that counts. I like the schedule where you keep them on because you can constantly come back to them and check in with them. It's a little bit harder as hybrid, as my friend is finding out right now. But what she does is she actually turns her camera towards the classroom so they can physically see her moving around the room and helping the other students within the class because they can see, oh, hey, she is busy. She's helping other students. She'll get to me when she can. So, and it also maybe makes them feel a little bit included because they can see the other students. I don't really know. So if you can finagle your schedule a little bit, those are two things to consider, whether you want to do back-to-back lessons and then have planning asynchronous work time, or if you want to do the lesson and then right afterwards have the practice time, which I think helps the scores in the long run. That's what a lot of the research shows. But if your school doesn't allow it like mine, then maybe your only option is to back-to-back and then just be available if you can to support those students that need the help or that are choosing to need the help. Okay, so next is completing assignments. So I know I said (laughs) students don't really complete the assignments. So, so, so very true. But providing time for them to complete the assignments is a very crucial component for the hybrid. So you want to make sure that what you're having them do is productive, that they can manage independently, and so that you can work with the students that are in the classroom. So I generally have the same assignments for both sets of classes. So my online kids are doing the same thing as my home kids. And then I'm just there to support it um, if it's needed. That's worked for me. And then also just thinking through how much time it would actually need to complete the assignments. Because I'm finding, now that I've actually seen the the kids in person, some of the assignments take a lot longer for them to complete than I originally would have thought it would take them. Because I'm looking at these math pages going, oh, well, hey, there's only like six problems on these two math book pages, and I'm assigning two pages for practice. But in reality without guidance and help, maybe they're struggling to complete that page and it's taking them over 20 minutes, which is not really what I had intended. I intended it to be a quick, easy practice. Reflecting through that and seeing how long it's taking students to complete things and also to copy down. So our math workbooks right now, because it's towards the end of the school year, some of those questions and reading as well are several sentences to answer. So having the kids copy that down in their own workbooks while they're at home and in person, it's taking a lot longer than I would have anticipated. Because if they were in school all year, we would have worked on that ability to you know, work through things quickly and have that sense of urgency that they're kind of lacking because they've been online. There hasn't been a need to have a sense of urgency. Because the deadline is, you know, sometime tonight and, you know, 
three months from now when they start turning in that January assignment and here it is, you know, towards mid-March, thinking about that and maybe even like how can you build in more of a sense of urgency, getting them to, to move a little bit at a quicker pace and seeing that, okay, well, we only have this much time. So my friend is actually putting up a timer. She's trying that in her classroom. And my third thing I wanted to talk about is keeping engagement in the classroom. So I have a few, maybe two, not a few, but I have two blog posts that I've written about this topic. So if you want to go to shareteaching.com. Okay, so the first episode or episode, the <laughs> first blog post is called Building a Virtual Classroom Community. You can find it on shareteaching.com in the category of classroom. So if you go to my blog, there's a little drop down and you can see it says classroom. There's another one that says 25 ways to build an online classroom community. So in the building a virtual classroom community, I talk through my procedure for holding what I call good things. And I think this has made a really big difference in my class and how we've kind of come together. I think this year it's been a lot more about the relationships than the academic side because let's face it, the academic side, it's very, very hard at this point in the year to have kids make up what they've missed since they've been in school. I focus on getting to know them, their likes, their dislikes, what they do on the weekend. And I do that through that good things. It's super short. Like I said, I give the class five minutes to share each morning before we start our math lesson. In fact, I have them log in five minutes early and I tell them class starts at 9.10 when really it starts at 9.15 so that we can work on building that community and having those moments where we can talk about things like that. And also I always say after the end of the live lessons, that's when they can they can hang out, they can share. Sometimes I'll let them pick go noodles, talk to each other. And I think that all comes a long way in getting them familiar and comfortable and getting to know their classmates and also myself in, you know, a sort of informal way. Okay, so keeping that engagement is, you know, really hard to do in an online setting. So just a few of the really easy things that I do is I reward class dojo points. And right now the class dojo points don't really count for anything. They just like getting the points. So I just give them points for participating. If I show that they type something in the chat or they've volunteered to speak and unmute their microphone and share an answer, then I give dojo points for that. So for engagement, I've done small reading groups where they've broken out into breakout rooms and they're working in very small like groups of four, talking about the reading workbook pages and being able to work on the workbook pages together. So I have engagement in that way. I've done a lot of, you know, okay, give me a thumbs up if you're in class, if you're at home, type out, you know, why for yes and for no. So I make it things that are very simple for them to put in the chat. Remember, I do second grade. So I don't want to give them words that they're struggling to figure out how to spell. I know a lot of the students are still struggling with typing. So I do a lot of things that are just one letter. So if the answer is A, B, C, or D, like it's a multiple choice question in the reading workbook that we're going over, I'll say, okay, put your, put your idea of, you know, what the answer is in the chat. Is it A? Is it B? 
And then sometimes it'll be like, is T for true, F for false, do A agree, D disagree, and we kind of do our engagement that way. So just pick a letter that goes with whatever you're talking about and then have them do it in the chat. So they're very familiar with that. And I don't do the raised hand feature because when I'm displaying my screen and I'm sharing my screen, I can't see those raised hands. Like we'd use Google Meet. So it blips up in the corner of the screen and it goes away really fast. So I can't always see who raised their hand, but I might hear it. And if I'm recording, I don't want to stop my recording because then it's showing the students' names and faces and all that, you know, so FERPA violations. So (laughs) I always say you have to put an exclamation mark in the chat, and that to me is like you're raising your hand, you know, it looks like like a long hand raised up. So please do that, and then I'll call on you by your first letter. So let's say it's Tommy that raised his hand. I'll be like, okay, if your name starts with a T and you put an exclamation in the chat, go ahead and unmute and share. And then they know, okay, well, I was Tommy and I raised my hand in the chat. That must be me. So they unmute and share. The only time I've had an issue with that is like if the name starts the same letter. So in that case, I might say like the first initial, the last name, or not the last name, but first initial, last name initial. And go that way. So that works well too. I know there's Pear Decks and things like that, Nearpod for engagement. I have a really hard time with those not coming up properly. I don't know if it's like district settings, but I avoid those. I have done Google Slides where I share a slide and then everyone types on the same slide, especially if we're doing something like a brainstorm. I will share like a you know, a really quick thinking map that I've put on a Google slide. And then I ask students to, to add a word or something to it. So we've done that. That's been really good. The other thing is to make sure that students have brain breaks. I know I'm really guilty of this because I'm, I'm all about like, let's power through our work. Let's all get this done. And I forget to be mindful that students need a break especially if they've been home rolling around on the floor, taking naps, you know, hanging out on the couch, playing video games. They're not used to being back in school. So even though it is just like two months to the end of the school year, I am mindful of giving those kids brain breaks. So we actually do one after every finished live lesson. So remember there's 30 minute lessons. So it's a 30 minute lesson. It's like a two minute brain break. I play a go noodle something or other. I I always like to click that random choose for me button. So I try to choose something that's like one and a half, two minute long. And during that time where the goo noodles playing, I'm over there like pulling up the slides for the next section. The next thing I have is digital versus paper. So for me, I've talked about this before, but There is a difference between a student typing something digitally as a second grader and then filling it out on paper. So when you're thinking of your classroom, you really want to think of what's going to translate over the best and do you want to keep everything digital or do you want a mix of digital and paper? So sometimes I've actually just printed my digital writing slides and then the kids just handwrite on them if they're in person. Sometimes I find with some of the lessons, it's a little bit easier to do it that way. And then I'll just say, okay, just turn it in on the computer and just like click turn in, but don't actually fill it in on the computer because you have the paper copy right there. 
So that works. Sometimes it lends itself to both ways. I know it's kind of hard when you have big class sizes to do that all the time. Think of like which one's which. I do prefer paper though when it comes to like the math and the reading because we want to highlight the text and circle words we don't know and refer back to things and on math like make our little sketches. Much harder for the students to do that on a computer screen than it is for me as their teacher because I can manipulate things a little bit easier with drawing on a computer screen using my mouse. With the kids, they're having a lot harder time with that, even if it's just like circling an answer using Kami. So that's something to consider for sure. So the very last thing I wanted to talk about is, of course, is our time. So when you're teaching a hybrid class, it really comes down to what time you have for prep and how much time you want to spend because I know our time is all super limited. Like I know for myself, I get that, you know, 40 minute prep time, but I'm kicked out of my room and I don't have access to the printer and things like that. And I'm not in a quiet space. I have to sit in the teaching lounge with all the other teachers that are on, you know, prep at the exact same time and they all want to talk and have discussions and I just want to put my head down and get my work done. <laughs> I also want to, you know, start to get to know my coworkers because I don't know who any of them are other than my grade level team and my daughter's teacher. So that that's a struggle. But anyway, our time is so limited that what we are spending our time on now, we want to make sure it benefits us in the future. So for example, we want to think about repurposing. Are you ever going to use these things that you're doing again? If the answer is no, then is there an easier way to do it? So my example for that would be my writing slides. I'm spending a lot of time creating writing slides, but I know that next year I have all my units done for me. And whether it's a hybrid situation or strictly an in-person situation next year, I can project my slides to the class or to my online classroom and teach from those slides. So those are useful to me. We are adopting a new reading curriculum next year, and I have made reading slides that go with each of the ready lessons for this year. But my slides, after a couple of weeks, I started thinking to myself, this is taking way too long. Do I really need these? And so I've only created slides based on the content vocabulary. So now, next year, with our new curriculum, I'm not sure what it looks like, but the content vocabulary should be the same. So I have slides about characters and settings and plot and comparing texts and what's a Venn diagram. So I can actually just copy and paste those slides into a new, I don't know, slide deck <laughs> and use those for my class next year. Again, whether I'm teaching online or in person, I find the slides to be really useful to show the students something concrete on the board. So I, I find those really easy. Math, it would take me forever in a day to create slides for my math lessons. So I don't actually have any slides for that because I didn't find it useful of my time. I just simply project the book and 
teach from the book. Next year, I know that we're getting Envision, and I've used Envision in the past, and Envision has components for me, at least it did years ago when I used it, that I can project on a smart board and share with the class. So I'm not as concerned with creating math slides and things like that. I've created some grammar slides. I had to stop because I just didn't have enough time in my day. But I know the grammar slides that I do have are teaching slides, and I can easily pull them up next year when I need to teach a noun or a verb or adjectives. And, you know, I did all those parts of speech slides, so I can easily use them again next year. So think about things that you can repurpose. It might not be benefiting you right now, but maybe it'll make your next year a little bit easier. And if you're a new teacher, don't worry about creating all the things. <laughs> Those of us who have taught for a long time, we have many of the other components in our classroom underway, so we can focus more time on the things like the content of the lessons, whereas you're trying to learn you know, how to, how to juggle the management of the students in person and on the computer, or you know, even things like how do I plan and prep for my week, Maybe you're doing everything day by day. How do you keep up with the lesson plans that you have to turn in, plus, you know, the copies that need to be made, plus, you know, making slides for the lessons, you know, and, you know, how do you figure out these behavior management things? Like, there's so many things that go on within a classroom, but each year you get a little bit better. So if you're a new teacher, don't be too discouraged. It takes a while to get to the level where people like myself are at. Not that we're super amazing at the moment. <laughs> we're probably all in very similar boats. But I can focus on things like that because I already know techniques that have helped me with like my time management and my behavior management in the classroom. So I hope that was very helpful for you. I thought it would be a much shorter episode, but it ended up being a little bit longer than I had expected. So again, we talked about creating schedules, giving students time to complete their assignments, and also how much time something's going to happen and take to make those assignments, how to maintain engagement for both sets of your classes, offering them brain breaks, taking into account digital versus paper, which one do you want to use, and then also repurposing your content so you're working smarter, not harder. So please tune in next time where we are talking about more efficient digital grading. So if you are doing all your grading online using Google Classroom or Slides, I'm going to share with you some things that I found out about digital grading that makes it a little bit smoother and less time. And if you have any ideas for a future podcast episode, please go ahead and leave me a note. You can go to shareteaching.com forward slash podcast. And if you scroll down the page, it's going to ask you to leave me a Google form message about something that you are interested in hearing more about on the, the future podcast episodes. And if you like this podcast, please don't forget to think about subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. It helps more people and teachers like you find me and listen to my episodes. So take care. I'll talk to you next time. If you've loved this show, then join me in sharing the teaching. Hitting that subscribe button. 
and leaving us a review on iTunes so we can be found by more teachers like you who are ready to start sharing the workload. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Find new episodes each week on shareteaching.com. Thanks for listening to the Share Teaching Podcast. So that has helped out helped her out a little bit. So so I believe one is um as the students. So I've so so, so I'll hear bye. And then I've also had them. Um, I just drew a blank there.